Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your uh, post ICG Con alternate Monday? <laughs> There's a lot there. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's wonderful, wonderful. This great to be alive, Dennis. Um, post ICG Con, yeah, right. It's been it's been a couple days since we're recording on a Wednesday. That's our alternate Mondays. Yeah, uh, and right. our game weekend was over on Sunday. Now, usually Sunday we have we have some time to recuperate, right? For those mm-hmm. who don't have to drive long far. Um, but still, it was, it's nice to have the thought of recording the Monday after would have been would have still been kind of exhausting. It's nice to have a couple mm-hmm. days to reflect. And now we can talk about it. How was how was your overall weekend? Uh, it was good. It was good. I um, I don't know. I probably don't want to get into this too much because I, I'm sure that a handful of them at least occasionally listen to our show. But it's always fun to, you know, I'm not a, I'm not very much of an extrovert, but it's still fun to uh, be with a new group of people. Uh, a lot of my regular jokes and bits are not as are not as tired to them as they are to our normal friend group, right? Um, and so that's that's gratifying. And I, you know, I don't I don't play as many physical games in the real world as I used to before the pandemic. Uh, and so my, my mindset or, or perspective on them has changed. Like, because we're at least for me, I'm just constantly cycling through games on, uh, on board game arena. Basically mm-hmm. every, every day I've got, you know, half a dozen or more games of, uh, the, you know, various King of Tokyo, Dice Forge, uh, Seven Wonders Architects, Automobiles, a handful, you know, they sort right. of cycle in and out. But I've always got games going, so it changes my changes my perspective on, oh, we're going to sit and we're going to play the whole game all at once. <laughs> front to, in, front in, to back, yeah. Front to back, and I'm trapped here until it's over. And, <laughs> That's know. right, because otherwise it, you, you take your turn and then go walk away for the next day or so. Right, right? Yeah. exactly, exactly. And <laughs> I mean, you know, that that assumes that I'm having a bad time. Like, I don't feel trapped if I'm... Right. You know, having fun, like it's, you know, it's a whole different value proposition. That's but funny. uh yeah, it was fun. Uh we kicked off um the first game that I played was Dice Forge. And uh, so you're you're a vet of that game. Exactly, exactly, except that I've only played it in real life once, uh, with you and our buddy Pat up at his mm. place on the lake. And so I had no idea how to set everything up. I'm like, all right, well, this is this board, and this is this board, and these are the dice, and they, you know, make sure I know that they start with these faces. So let me check, and this one's <laughs> right. And which which are the starter cards? I don't remember the starter cards because I always play uh, BGA games with random cards. So I'm like, mm. well, I feel like we always have this boar, and we always have this <laughs> card, and then we get into the game, and all three people playing with me had never played, and I'm mm. like, well, here's a map because the cards the cards don't have text on them the the oh yeah uh, right heroic feet cards and i'm like well you can't hover over them in real life and get uh all the information you need so there's this page that you've got to look and they're like they're like well you can put it over here since you probably already know what all the cards do and i'm like that's a good point here you go <laughs> and then they're looking and they're like they're like some of these are the same but some don't and i'm like well there are, there are other cards there are multiple cards that can go in each slot for replay value and then after maybe our first round or something we went through and swapped all the cards that i hadn't put the basic cards in yeah. back to whatever i was like well we always play with this tenacious boar and it's not it's the alternate card for that slot oh i see that is a, 
a three blue or something. Got it. Um, but aside from that, then it was then it was just playing, and I even uh, because Pat showed up and then was sort of uh, kibitzing over said that um, uh, there was a rule that I didn't know. It doesn't matter on BGA because BGA does all the rule stuff for you. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. when you oust someone from a heroic feat, they get a divine blessing, which means they get yeah. to roll both of their dice and collect the rewards. And on BGA, and it like, just does it automatically for them. It does it for you. Like there are cards that give you a bonus if you oust somebody or are ousted. But I didn't know that there was a default bonus you get when somebody ousts you. Right. And I was like, oh, I've I've literally played this game dozens of times and and never learned that uh and that's that that's kind of in that game specifically it's actually kind of a big thing that people don't it, realize it changes it, yeah, yeah it changes a little bit of what you, you're like i mean because for me i play it like i do um uh deck builders i'm like whatever i'm just gonna do the most that i can with the resources i have on this turn and not think about it you know when yeah. it's not my turn because it's not it's i mean in deck builders the market's changing and that's why right. i don't but, really but here care you're, because you're the giving cards you're giving sense. someone else resources like yeah it sort of affects like if you're you know sometimes the you know the best heroic feat available is clear and you just take yeah. that one but other times you're like well i don't really I, you know i've got i've got three blue and four red and the four red i don't really care about and the three blue is also not great. So I'm like, and then, yeah, there's another factor that I had not ever been taking into account is if there's somebody already on it, I'm going to give them a free roll if yeah. I take that one. Which resources uh, are tight in that game, you know, especially exactly, later on the exactly. game, on the game, if you're kicking somebody off and they've got loaded dice of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, also learned that you can get multiple of the treasure chest upgrades, which wouldn't have mattered to me because mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I think I've done that treasure chest upgrade like twice in yeah. the dozens of times that I put, I did it once fairly recently. Cause I was like, I haven't done this in a while, but cause I just, I spend everything every time. Like it's, it's rare that I'm at the cap and actually want more. But then I watched Mike Pantinas play and he's like, Oh, well I'm going to take the six red and then he still has two red left to do the second action. I'm like, oh, that would be, yeah, that would be pretty valuable if I, you know, am in a situation where I don't want to buy the hammer yet or whatever. Right. Or, or if a you lot went, of if you went a money route where you did have like that six money and then you just buy hammers, you know, and a treasure chest or or whatever it be, so you can buy multiple hammers to go through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, all all very specific stuff to to the dice forge if you've never, but you know it's a good game that, i i actually like it i like playing on board game arena there's nothing totally nothing i like all the board game arena games they're they're you know good uh job of converting board games uh but mm-hmm. playing playing that in playing that in uh in person is like just way better that's a specific game that is just so way better if not just mainly for the simple fact that you're rolling the dice, like that you get mm. every time, every person's turn, you are actually rolling the dice, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, something you don't get on board game arena. Um, and then you're popping off the, the dice tops, right. And putting the new ones in and yeah, f- that, physically seeing that dice, that whole aspect of it was interesting. I would say the only, the only thing aside from the game, taking care of all the rules for you and like, you know, moving the little resource counters and all that stuff, like all the admin aspects of it, which is true in any BGA game. Right. The only thing, excuse me, the only thing BGA does that I miss when I'm playing it in real life is show me my dice flat. 
right? Like BGA is a website. They couldn't do the oh, dice in yeah, 3D. Right. Yeah. And so you see either a row of six or two rows of three mm-hmm. or two columns sure. of three, I should say. And I can see the whole face. So I can see at a glance, like, this is my die where I'm putting all the red and this is my die where I'm putting all the blue. And I know, like, playing in real life, I had to count my uh, my little pile of replaced uh, one gold faces yep. and go, okay, how many how many one gold faces do I have left? Well, there are five on one mm-hmm. and uh, four on the other. So if I have eight, that means I'm replacing my last one here. And then I'm, you know, now I don't care about money anymore. I could buy a hammer. Um, right. And it was different. Like, you know, on the website, I can just glance at it and go, okay, I still have one or two, you know, one golds left. But that was fun. I don't, uh, well, I shouldn't say I don't teach games. So I teach games to my family all the time. But, like, with our friends group, I almost never teach games. I think I recently taught Seven Wonders Architects, but that's so easy um, right. that uh, that I could, you know, easily fully understand it from the first time we played it. Um. Yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting, it's it's a fun thing because we we do play board game arena a lot. Um, having mm-hmm. these having these times where we get to play multiple in physical games, um, it's weird that, that that's weird. It's weird that that's weird to us. It used to not be that weird. <laughs> just, that, that was the standard, and yeah, well, play even this weird online thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, even before, um, this is probably true for for some of the guys at ICGCon. Um, you know, once I moved from Bloomington, like I didn't play games very regularly then either, or I'd play with my family and we play kind of the same game all the time. It's not, there's not as much, well, I doubt very many groups play as many new games as, uh, uh, Trotsky and his friends who aren't like, you know, reviewers, YouTubers or whatever, um, normal friend group, you know, that just is always, something new like every week is something new (laughs) right right which is which is cool but it's but it's just different like you get a little fatigued and you're like can i we had that this weekend we're like okay when there is there any does anybody know this know this game i think what else i played a cup i played a lot of new games um the only other the only other game that i played that i already knew was whirling witchcraft well, and maybe Thunderstone Quest, but we did, I think I did a short demo of that at Gen Con, so I didn't remember it at all. Um, we're, it's it's Whirling Witchcraft, or maybe Whirling Witches. Uh, it's that AEG game that we played at their big game night. Yeah, it was Whirling Witchcraft. With, with the little cauldrons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's fine, but it's kind of fiddly. Um it my biggest complaint about it is that it snowballs very quickly. Um it like from the components it seems like it should be a kind of long game. Like not a three hour game, but it feels like it should be a forty minute to an hour game. Yeah. And it's it's really more like a twenty minute game. Because you go and stuff seems to be moving really slowly, and then before you know it, somebody's got those five overflow bits piled up and the game's over. Um, right. So not, I mean, I own it from the AG night, but it's not a game I would ever pull out and try to teach to people, um, um, for those, those various reasons. Right. 
the the uh i played most of the games i played so far and you'll have more we'll we'll go back to you on yours because i know you've got some more that you've you were new uh, mm-hmm. i mostly play ones that that i played before i i had a little bit different uh icg con this year with um yeah you had some, some issues with stuff Sid to, and, and to, flights to being with. canceled with air stuff but mm-hmm. we won't go into that uh but it did cause me to not be able to play as many games as i had hoped Right. Um, so I, I spent time playing some games that I had played, like played Thunderstone Quest, which I absolutely love. It's one of my favorite games, not because it's like the best game of all time, but it's like a game that's made for me. Um, mm. you know, it's, it's, uh, placing things on boards with, um, deck building, uh, quests and campaign modes. Those are all words that are like buzzwords in my ear. So, um, happy to play that one. Uh, we, we did good there. Did you win that one? I think you won that one, didn't you? Kind yeah, of... I did. Which and it was it was kind of a surprise because it's what is it, the scoring? I don't know. Is... You you kind of took the strategy on most of your games this week this weekend. I think they were all similar, and they and every time you won, it's that it's that upgrading cards, uh, shedding voiding stuff away from, that aren't very good. But that's true. That's that. true. I I I don't know if I said this talking about Dice Forge, but I won that. That's a game that I feel like I win more than I lose on board game arena, which yeah. is funny because it's so, you know, Oh, so you're so saying much, you won the so game that you taught three newbies. I, is that what you I did? did okay. And as we, as we were getting closer <laughs> to the end, I was like, I was like, Oh, I'm going to win this. And I can't like at that point, <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't change things unless I threw the game, which, you know, is also not, not a thing you want to do my my with with a group of gamers i think that's more okay as long as you're not like taking up a lot of time like well (laughs) holding rules back or taking up a lot of time on your turn like obsessively trying to really really optimize yeah uh, i agree to, to make sure that you win in a game that you're teaching Right. right to like make sure that you beat these people who've never played before like that is my biggest I agree with uh, that. thing with that like dice forge is a lot of luck so like i rolled better and i knew the strategy already so i just played the way that i normally do and right. i ended up winning and it wasn't a landslide like it was pretty close right. um that you did rem- you did uh, win um uh, one of the favorite it's always a favorite of icg tyrants uh, yeah tyrants I, the underdark yeah. i i forgot that i played that cuz it's a game that we play a lot that's the dnd uh, deck builder with a map um and and i did the strategy that i've never done before which was the that game has a unique purge mechanic that mm-hmm. i don't think i've seen in other in another deck builder um where cards are worth a certain amount in your deck but are worth more if you purge them um, Correct. Right. and i just got a couple cards early that were of that theme and just really focused on the whenever there was one I could buy. I bought one in that same uh, family or color or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, right. Um, and yeah, just just ended up dominating. It was the same kind of thing where um, those scores are secret. Like you could sort of count them. Like especially I could have knowing right. what I was putting in there. But it wasn't until the end. And because that strategy is so deck focused and not board focused, it really didn't seem to anybody you know most of all me that i was winning like i could see that i had a lot of purged cards under that little coaster thing yeah but my board presence was so weak i'm like i don't think what i'm doing over here with the deck is going to compensate for how much of the map uh pad is taken over and it and it really really did i Um, i 
it is one of that is one of my favorite games. It, it really right, is. And, right. and what you just described in many reasons is the like it's thematic. Like the, one of the big things that it hits mm. on with a game that feels can be very Euro feeling has right. it totally feels thematic in so many ways. Like you're playing these drow houses that are underhanded and sneaky and spies mm. and area yeah. and you know uh, just underhanded again is the best way to say it so winning from the shadows where someone doesn't see you coming feels very thematic again right it sure. feels like like you're doing the thing that because a lot of that game is is doing what you're supposed to be doing like area control and controlling areas but n hopefully not being seen as that Right, mm -hmm. it, it, the game again feels very thematic with Drow that that you want to be the leader, but you can't be the dominant leader because then everyone turns on you, and you're right, not. Right. So it's this delicate balance of, you know, subterfuge. Um, mm -hmm. So so winning by a way that people didn't see coming seems like the way to win that game. Like that seems very perfect in what you just said uh, sure. to do that. So it, that's an exciting game. I, I'm sad that I missed it, but you know, I'm always happy when. It's only four players, so getting four players in there to play it that they don't get to play it. It, it is unfortunate that that game is four players because it, it is such a, a solid game. Yeah, um, I mean there are not there are not many deck builders that are more than four, and if they are, they're five, right? Like legendary, right? Um, and which is not played well with five. Yeah, it gets more difficult with more players. But we played Thunderstone Quest, and I don't, I don't even really remember now what it was that made me win. I know I had some pretty strong cards and then I felt like maybe I was behind, like you guys were doing the dungeon combat parts of it. We're, mm -hmm. we're doing a bad job of explaining these games, but we have, so <laughs> right. we have so many games. Like there are, there are channels of people teaching games with video, which is probably a better way to learn a game than us. Go, go look up Thunderstone on audio. Uh, there. there, there are, you know, learn to play videos. Um, you guys did Dungeon Delve content stuff before I did, and I was like, oh, I'm falling behind. Like, I'm pulling bad, you know, bad hands of weak cards, and it's not going to work. And then just got just the right combo. Like, the only time where I really was like, oh, this is bad, is when we pulled those guys that um, negate your highest uh, damage type, right? And right. there's only physical and magic damage, in the at least in the base version of that game. Yeah. And my whole my whole deck was physical damage. And, like, it would yeah. be difficult for anybody, but they're really, like, you have to have a really balanced deck where you're like, okay, yep. I, have, I have five physical damage, but I also can get three magic damage, and that'll, that'll kill him. Pat, um, Pat was in trouble for the opposite reason. He had all magic damage. He had all, he had all magic stuff. And that's sort of, you know, most of those games are, like, stuff synergizes together. So you're like, yeah, I'm not going to take sword stuff when i'm doing magic stuff that doesn't make mm -hmm. any sense um right. which is a you know it's sort of clever i, I think i think your, your early your early town moves in thunderstone quest uh were good because you you focused on like i said purging like you did in your other games like you you set a up the long-term game bit, yeah. of, of getting rid of the, the characters leveling up those adventurers you know i I, a couple of us went into the dungeon earlier when we had a couple of adventures still out there. Mm -hmm. I think I think that you were just more patient with, you know, crafting your deck um, with that, and th and that won you, and that won you in in the um, the tyrants game and in Dice Forge as well. So I, I, mm -hmm. that's a that's a that's always a good strategy. Is you know when when do you when do you have to like 
start going for it? When, you know, when do you let your pay, be patient? And a lot of times people aren't patient enough. And this, I think in the games that you play this weekend kind of proved that a lot of times is that you had more patient to play your decks out than others did. And, and it paid maybe, off. Maybe, maybe. I mean, definitely in tyrants, it's not a strategy I've ever tried. So it's like, I saw a card and I was like, this seems strong. Maybe I'll kind of try this. And it, you know, and it paid off. Yeah. Promoting those things are great. Uh, so yeah, I played, um, so I played also got to play champions of Midgard, which is my favorite work replacement game. Yep, yep. Um, I do, do love that one. Uh, sadly, I think I won that one. Um, hmm. not sadly. I mean, I love winning, but, um, it, it, it was uh, a lot of new players. So, you know, right, those things. Right. But, but they all had a good time and it was a great time. Uh, things I love about Ch- Champions of Midgard, just highlights there, is that it, it is a worker placement game. Most worker placement games, like the standard uh, of Lords of Waterdeep, is, mm-hmm. are, are very tight and they're very, um, like, on a worker placement, you place a worker down on a board and you get the thing that the worker gets placed on. And everyone has a limited amount of workers. Mm-hmm. And when I say tight, is most worker placement games are, if you want the thing that's on the space that the worker goes, uh, when someone takes it, it's kind of it kind of sucks, right? Because like sure. that that's your strategy. You need to get this. And there's always this anticipation of like, I need this one thing. I need this thing. And then someone takes it. And it's like, oh, and it just leaves that anxiety. That's how a lot of worker placement games are. Most of them are. In, okay, sure. in yeah, Champions yeah. of Waterdeep, there are multiple, many uh, avenues of winning. Lord's so Lord. that if someone takes over this area, like say they want to go fight this thing, and they put mm-hmm. their worker on the thing to fight the thing, and you kind of wanted to do that too, well, there are other avenues that you can be pursuing at the same time. Like, oh, sure. well, I won't do that this round because somebody else did it, and I can go yeah. do this and other it, thing. And in, and in Waterdeep, they have the sort of city building mechanic where you could go... Oh, I really need oranges, and there's only one whatever the oranges are. There's yeah. only one town. There's only one shop where you get them, but there's one over here in the market where I can build. Where either I can go and get it, or somebody else will go, and then I'll get one of my choice, and I can get oranges that way. There's yeah. th- this like it it creates some of those um, as we say multiple paths to victory, right? Yeah, and and I, and I, I dig that. So that's why I like cha- uh, Champions of Midgard now. It, it, some people who who know me or have been listening to the show would, would and play that game would realize that I'm also a real anti dice person, like randomosity with dice when it's it's okay, heavy sure. random stuff. Champions of Midgard does have a lot of that. Like a lot, all of the attack is of these random stuff, and a lot of times it's fifty fifty on the dice, which isn't something I would usually like. Um, uh, but yeah, I, think I think that I think that's what kind of generally spoils that game for me that and the length that's yes yeah, I, I could agree i could understand that one hmm. um i i think it's i think it's balanced enough that, that i doesn't bother me enough because the right like yeah. the, the combats are one or two hit points so it's like you just gotta get one or two hits and you can overcome that and generally with stuff um uh, but much, much more and, and i would have it, it would ruin the game for me but anyway i i did play that one i enjoyed it um i played uh oh wait i want to hear about this Quacks of Quindleberg, Quind- Quindlenburg. <laughs> I think I heard you play Qu- Quedlinburg. Quedlinburg. Yeah. This um, oh, we talked about whirling witchcraft. Um, mm-hmm. This is it's not really similar to that. There's no passing mechanic, but this is what is it like? It's a little bit like automobiles, where you are building your your deck, except. 
your deck is a bag of little pieces. Um, and it's a push your luck game. So you start, uh, the, the theme is, it's a very weird name. It's quacks like doctors. So you're doing some kind of potion, uh, you know, medicine thing, and you're throwing stuff in a cauldron. That's a thematic part that's similar to, uh, whirling witchcraft. Um, you have these bags and you start with a number of tokens that are all, uh, the same color. It's white. They're like, they're poppies or something they say whatever whatever herb they're supposed to be and then you have a couple other colors that you get to start it's not very much it's like a a bunch of a handful of white ones and and a pumpkin the pumpkins are orange and most of those little those little chits are uh, ones they have a one on them but you have one you have two that have a two and one that has a three and the way it works is you start in your cauldron at the center and it goes out in a spiral on a track like a racing game. And well, racing games don't go in a spiral, but you know, it's little spaces like an old school board game, right? Like, like Monopoly or sorry, um, or, uh, uh, Candyland. Um, and you all at the same time, pull the chits out of the bag and put them on spaces and the number that you pull is how many spaces they advance, right? So it's one, one, one. This one's two. The catch is if you pull more than seven value of the white ones, you bust. Oh, okay. And when you bust, you're still in for the second phase. You just don't get um, the double rewards. Like the spaces on the board have a money value and a points value. Everybody who doesn't bust gets both of those. But if you bust, you have to pick. Do you want points or do you want money to buy more chits to put in your bag? And there's not very much of a purge mechanic. You really just want to add more and more good stuff to your bag um, to to offset that risk. And so it has that push-your-luck thing where I'm like, okay, I'm at four. Like, I can pull the three and I'll be fine. But... Now I'm at five. And when I'm at five, I have a whole bag full of stuff that will be fine, but one chit that will make me bust. And so I'm oh. like, well, do I do I go for it? Do I not? That's the yeah, push your luck. Push your luck, yeah. Push your luck part of it. Um I I think I got close with that game, but still came in third. Like there were a couple of rounds where I got lucky. And then in the last round, I pulled the three early. And there are some ways to mitigate that, but I had already done those. And the other chits have different powers, have different colors. Like, there's one that lets you, if you pull it right after a white, you can put that white back in the bag. There are blue ones where when you play one of those, you can pull a certain number of chits out of your bag and pick one to play. Um, That's the strategy that Mike was using. Um but I liked it. It was, it was cool. If you like that sort of, you know, the, the builder, I don't know what to call it when they're not cards, but it's like deck builder also with this strong, um, push your luck part of it. Um, it's mostly all simultaneous play, right? So like everybody does their, does their building spiral thing. And then when everybody's done, you go into the scoring. We had, um, I forget who, but somebody who knew it sort of DMing, for us, like making sure we stayed within oh, the phases good. that everybody that's nice was. To have. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. It's like being at Gen Con and having a, yeah. um, you know, a, a teacher. Right. That's nice. I, yeah. I like Whirling Witchcraft, so I, I bet you I'd like that game. Probably. Yeah, that, that sounds really fun. Um, another play... game... Okay. Uh, another game that, uh, that I played that I forgot about to put on the list um, was called... Uh, uh, Bay. Something Bay. Did I... Barnacle Bay? Barnacle Bay, yeah. Did I put that on? I did put that on the list. Yeah. Um, that one's a co-op sort of... What is it like? Um, a little bit like those those haunted house games where you build the where you build the board. No, it's not. The board was there, and we set it up every time. It was like Gloomhaven Light, um, in in a lot of ways because you you set up the board, and that was the same thing where one of the guys playing knew, uh, Cardell, I think, and would set it all up for us, and then um. You you build your character and you loot items and you roll dice when you have those items. I had a, a situation where I kept looting items that weren't really useful for me and then I would give them to somebody else. I was playing the, the sorceress and I pulled a really good gun, some kind of magic steampunk gun because of whatever mm-hmm. fantasy theme it is. Um, and so I gave it to the the archer character because he got uh, – it's it's all D6s. Right, so you right. can roll crits, but you have a one in six chance of rolling crit, so it's not really a crit. Um, and for you know, for me, I had some bonus when I rolled crits, but for him, you know, those crits did double the damage. So instead of doing two damage, they did four, and so he was able to just one shot guys with that with that weapon. And I was like, you know, it's cool. This is a co op game, so I don't care. Like, you know, you get more kills than me, like. Anytime something dies, we all get the same amount of XP. Um, and it and it has a bunch of um, like little plastic uh, minis. The company is something Panda. I have it here. Um, hmm. Panda Cult. Oh, I've heard uh, of that one. No, I hadn't either. But I guess part of their shtick is that the their character design is. Um, uh, anthro or uh, anthropomorphic animals, okay. right? So, so like sure. uh, like um, uh, Disney's Robin Hood kind of yep. thing. Like yep. they'll walk around. One, th- there were two little of our player characters. They both looked like foxes to me, and I was like, "We have two foxes." And one of the guys goes, "Well, one's a wolf, and the other's a red panda." I was, <laughs> like, I was like, "Okay, well, these gray." small plastic minis from a distance they both kind of look like you know they've got a snout and a bushy tail um (laughs) (laughs) kind of thing and then the monsters were like um various chimera like one was it looked like a shark but it had legs like a like a man and a face and arms like a bear right it was like shark back but it still had some kind of fur on the on the back of its head kind of space (laughs) it's just like a combination of of things and so that that part of it was kind of cool it was like a little more um uh like aesthetic production value than a game like gloomhaven and the the gameplay mechanics were much much easier than gloomhaven oh that's good and i'm assuming the game was shorter time-wise yeah it was shorter we i mean it was so short that we i mean it says 45 to 120 minutes i don't know 
about that. We probably played it for, you know, two hours or yeah. more. Um, but yeah. that's because we played two campaigns. We played two missions, oh. and the second one was longer. And it's also a campaign where you keep um, you keep your items. What is like this? Uh, um, Pathfinder. Pathfinder. Oh, I'm no. I'm thinking of. Um, I'm thinking of Heroes of the Storm. Oh, okay. you you. So there, there are no items in Heroes. So this is a poor example, but. Your your character collects items in a mission, but when you start the next mission, everybody starts back over at level one, right? And then you level as you kill monsters, and the monsters also level. Like if you're, especially the bosses, like if your whole group is at level two, he's going to be level two. If you're, and the the level only goes oh, up see. to five because it caps out, and then in the next game you start over, but you still have all your items, so you're still getting stronger um, in that. Uh, metric right then and the the level just sort of unlocks new things kind of like D D, where at level one you can move and you can do actions and your your class character has some kind of little bonus then when you hit level two i think almost everybody gets a second action right so you can double attack or you can attack and loot a card or whatever and then it gets more it diverges more depending on your class like mine would get i could do a third action but it had to be an attack so if i didn't do anything else and you know stood in one place i could do three actions in one turn so i'm Mm. like well i'm gonna i'm gonna fireball three times and hope you know roll the roll the d6s and the defense rolls and all that that part of it is very D &D, um instead of the the deck the modifier deck mechanic from gloomhaven man this this may, uh, this conversation is is terrible so far. We're having <laughs> mainly because like it makes uh, I I it sounds like you had like all the cool games. <laughs> I I played fun games that I know, that you but know. like I, yeah. it makes me want to go play new games now. Like these these are gr- mm. some great new things that I I haven't seen and and I do you know you know you have good games that you love and you play and you want to keep playing them and you get better at them. But you know sometimes these new and a lot of times you also play new games that are terrible. Like they just, right. you know, don't sure. have good mechanics or don't have a good designers, whatever it is. But then there's so many out there that are so fun and so interesting and new takes. And, and I, and it feels mm-hmm. like I missed some of that. So I, it's good to see that one of us got, got that experience <laughs> in there. And I, I'd love to play that one. That'd be really Yeah. Fun. Yeah. It was, it was fun for me because I, you know, you'll probably have more opportunities to play new games than I will, uh, traveling around, um, mm-hmm. you know, by myself. So that was, that was fun. Um, I did, I did join a, a, I am a someone, and this is off topic of ICG con, but I, I, I have, uh, I don't have problems playing single player games. I I enjoy playing single player, like a game that has a single player mode. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have joined, there is a shout out to a a Facebook group that's out there for single players, um, games. And and it's really a, a good community that, um, talks about you know the different game modes of different games and they'll give suggestions of different kinds of games and genres that are single nice. player and and i've taken a couple of those recently and been been playing those and it, it helps inform me also on some of my decisions on buying games you know like i, mm. I want to play games and hopefully i'll play it but the fact that it's got a good solid si- single player mode and these people are like yeah look at this game it's a good game but it's got a great single player mode makes me like kind of want to buy it first because i can yeah, play it I... even if i don't I do that sometimes. Obviously, you know, we talked a lot about the Lord of the Rings game and I brought yeah, a couple of the Rings. Yeah. a couple decks of that with me. I haven't gotten to the point where I wanted to like 
set up my little table and and do that here in the camper. Um, right. But I also have a game. I don't know if I've talked about this before. That um, I bought at Gen Con. I think it's a Mondo games. It's called A Gentle Rain, or maybe just Gentle Rain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this sort of like they designed it to be sort of meditative. Uh, right. So you you pull tiles from a stack and the tiles are square but they have uh round uh um quarter circle cuts in the corners okay all that means when you when you lay them out um the corner between four of those tiles has a a round hole okay and in the box there are five uh little wooden discs that match and the the tiles have have flowers on them and the um those corners have the different flowers the different colors and styles um i don't know if they're all flowers there might be a couple that are like sort of geometric swirl design things but uh the idea is you pull those tiles and you set them you connect them to each other and they have to match right the two if you put one next to another one the flowers on the corners have to match like dominoes. Okay. Got it. And if you can get all four in a corner of the same, you can put that uh, a wooden disc there. And your goal is to get all five of them. Get all five of them and hopefully have some tiles left. Right? And so it's okay. it's sort of it's sort of a puzzle, right? It's like playing Carcassonne by yourself. Or, uh, right, yeah. or or something like that. And so you go and you're like, okay, I'm here if I've got this. But if I do this, like I've set myself up for here's a place where I can get one c- complete, but it's got two other corners. So it's got to be the exact right tile that'll fit in there. Or, you know, maybe it has four, like if you've boxed yourself in and you're like, you know what are the odds or you know you look at what's out and you're like i can see the one with those four in that configuration or you pull one that's really close to what you need but flipped right mm, so you're like okay. i can't i can't rotate it's this it's a sort of puzzle thing and i think i think you can play it two player you you know take turns placing or whatever um but it is it is kind of um i mean it's a little bit like doing a puzzle Right, because you're just yep. there and you're staring at it, and you pull each one, and you're like, "Okay, where if I turn this, I think I got to keep going in a straight line." Because <laughs> right? I'm, you know, um, yeah. but that game's pretty cool. Uh, it definitely seems that way. Uh, I played, I played some, uh, I played Outer Rim, Star Wars Outer Rim, which mm-hmm. is a that, that's it, Star Wars. I, I played that. These aren't going to be new, so I won't spend time much time on it. But it, it was fun. Um, mm-hmm. The, the the best highlight to Star Wars Outer Rim for those who have played it is it's a game that's not necessarily based around uh, light side, dark side, or Empire Rebel. It's it's you're a smuggler mercenary person. Hmm. Um, so you know you religions you're, and ancient weapons. Yeah, exactly. You, you're playing you're playing kind of all the sides and just out for yourself. And it does a really good job of of you know like, like I said we had Euro games before, but ha- having a lot of mechanics. Uh, but feeling very, very thematic, and and feeling the other one is uh, Star Wars Rebellion is another good uh, Star Wars board game, and that does thematic the other way, where it's like you feel like you're part of the Resistance or the Empire, and a Jedi or or not. 
Uh, this one is not. This is like you feel like you're, you know, running a bounty hunter missions or you're becoming a bounty hunter or you're out to smuggle cargo or um, do, do any of those kind of kind of things with with occasionally there's this war going on and you get stopped and stopped by patrols or you have to deal with these the rebels and the empire fighting while you're trying to make your business. Um, so the, it, it's it's very fun and I enjoy it a lot. Hmm. Um, and that's one that I do play play solo. That's also a very fun solo. Um, we played it this weekend, and uh, Pat played. He played uh, Pat won. He played um, uh, Lando, which was pretty great. He he played him just like Lando. Lando has an ability that that w- if you play it correctly, you can become friends with all of the factions, which feels mm-hmm. like a very Lando thing, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And because of that, Pat was able to do good, just a good job with. Uh, I think I heard you guys joking around about that when you were. Yeah, we we we, we loved m- making fun of Pat all weekend because he was doing so well. Um, but yeah, he, he won that. That was really fun. Uh, the last game that I got to play uh, was a game called Shadows in the Forest. Now this is a new one. I am not a, a fan of it. If a shadow um, falls in the forest, no. It is, it is, and everyone at the table described it as this. It is flashlight tag the board game. Uh, it's okay. it's interesting. It's a setup. It's it's a it's a it's a board like it's got a board on the ground with did we some cl- like. Did we clarify some- everybody at this game weekend was an adult? Yeah, like the, yes, but this definitely <laughs> felt like it. It was a kids' game. It, it definitely felt like a kids' sure, game. Sure, sure. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. Um, it, it is the it is the one game that uh, I could not put my personality in check with. So I, I got I get into some arguments. Um, mm. There is. Uh, I don't remember what I was doing when you guys were playing that, but yeah. I did so, not play. So that. The, the gist of this game is that there's a board and there is uh, some cardboard trees. Now, when I say like they're trees, they're about six inches high, and they are the the cardboard that you you, you take the, like an X, right? Like you pick an X yeah, and fit yeah. them together. And there's like between six and two inch trees across this board, um, and there are on the board is like some stones that like a stone paths that go around the board. Um, you, everybody plays like a little miniature that they put on the board. Um, and the room it's set up that the whole room that you're playing in is actually, you turn off the lights, right? It's all dark Mm -hmm. in the room. And there is a little lantern that's about, I'd say two inches tall that you place on the board. Okay. And it is, it's, it's light. It's got a light, right? And so the, because of these like trees that you've placed on the board, there's about six or seven of these trees. It, they cast shadows, right? Sure. And, it, and the, the light does it show stuff. And oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, can you kind of see what I'm seeing? I'm here? starting to picture what's happening here. Right. And now there are two players in this game. There are There is the seeker, which is one person, and then everybody mm-hmm. else. And the goal of the game is that the seeker so has to find everybody okay. uh, or everybody else has to get together, like at home base. Mm, okay. Right. Yeah. So now the problem. So there's with, one person who's who's seeking, yes. and a bunch of other people who are hiding. Hiding. Correct. So you put yourself. Everybody starts in a shadow, right? So you can't sure. see them, and they're black, so you can't actually see them. The shadow. Uh, now the problem with hide and seek or or flashlight tag or any kind of tag is the fact that the uh, seeker can constantly camp one person or camp the home base. Mm. Right. I mean, that's why people yeah, stop playing yeah. it at seven years old. They're like, this is dumb. Right, one, right. You got, you got Johnny who's decided he's figured this game out and he's just going to stand by the base and mm-hmm. tag anybody that comes mm-hmm. close. Right. And that's mm-hmm. the same thing here. 
Um, so the seeker rolls the dice. He gets to move along. He has to stay on the, the paths. And he moves along the stone paths that many things. And if the light shines on any person, they're frozen. Like they lose their little mask on the miniature. You take it off. And they can't move. Right? And he is supposed to... The seeker is supposed to freeze everyone and then he wins. Okay. okay? So you can unfreeze somebody... Uh, oh, and the, the the people who aren't freezers, they all have to be alive. They all have to be unfrozen and get together around one tree. That's kind of their goal. And they can only move through the darkness. So once the, the seeker moves his character, he'll go across around the other side of the room and close his eyes so nobody sees what he's doing. And then the other players can move around. They just can't cross any light. Right? So they can kind of mm. move around. Um, now you can unfreeze somebody by going up and sitting next to them for one round. You have to kind of end your turn there and both be together. Sure, um, sure. But the problem is, is that like our guy who was the seeker would do just what that jerk kid would do on the playground. And would he just found one person and then just kept going back and forth in front of that person, knowing that the other team cannot win as long as that person is frozen. Oh. Right? So he just yeah, kept yeah. sitting there at that whole time until we, hoping we would make a mistake. And he's like, well, of course, I'm not going to move off there. There, if I, as soon as I move off there, you're going to move in there and unfreeze them. So I'm just going to stand here. Mm-hmm. And th- that means that that character can only draw the game or win. He cannot yeah. lose. And I was very irked at that. I was like, mm-hmm. like th- this game is, is broken. It's just wrong. It's just a poor game. It doesn't have, it doesn't think of this stuff. And the other guy, the guy, the seeker was like, well, this is fun for me. Right. Of course. I'm, I'm, I'm going to win. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. And and so he got upset and, and quit um, because we weren't having it, right? Um, it was just no fun is, is the whole point. And it's made to be played with kids who don't know any better. Like who, if you're a seeker as a kid, you wouldn't know to go ahead. And you kind of want to go look for everybody else. So you just do. Um, but as soon as you get somebody with half a brain that says, I just stand here and I win, the game's busted yeah yeah this uh if this is the same yeah with little pluses the board game geek says this game has a 6.1 which you know board game geek rarely goes below six it's also from 1985 makes sense makes sense yeah the the game looked new it didn't look old um i mean if it's still in print maybe yeah it it it, i would i would 100 percent not recommend it in any way it's um, ranked it's ranked 183 in children's games. Yeah. It belongs there. Um, yeah. <laughs> For, so anyway, 14, it, 1400 in family, 5300 overall. Yeah. It, it's unfortunate because the neat mechanic of it being like in the dark and a lantern and not being able to move through things, the game could be great with some tweaks, right? It just mm. some small little rule changes. Something sure, like sure. the 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 seeker uh if he see like you or you can't be frozen more than three turns and then you automatically become unfrozen or, yeah, or the yeah. seeker can't stand in within three has to move within three or some kind of thing that that made them not the anti camping rule. Right. Um, right. W- would have would have fixed the game. But it sounds like since you can't triple stamp a double stamp. Yeah. So, yeah. Highly thumbs down on shadows <laughs> in the forest. Just because, just because it's it's you know this is what I was talking about a new game that you come out and you want to play you've never played before, and then uh, you give it a good shot you're excited about it and then the rules just were 
put out there to make money. It feels like, like I got an idea, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just not going to think hard enough about it. Sure. Right. Sure. And, yeah. and, and that not kind of game makes me feel like or... the designers, uh, think less of their audience of, of their, of their players. Right. Sure. Well, sure. Well, well, I mean the yeah. the the board game audience in 1985 was very different from from the the audience of today. Yeah, they they probably would play that game one time a family would and then put it away and not play it for another year and a half. Right. Right. Um cuz that's how that was. So yeah, uh thumbs down. Shadows in the Forest is the one thing that I would say I don't buy. That's a bummer. Uh the last uh game that I played and there might be other ones in there that i'm forgetting it was kind of a long weekend but um is a game called celestia okay yeah uh, yet another game i don't know and yeah i'm jealous I, about already <laughs> i think this is a uh bgg says it's an, a re-implementation of a game called cloud nine uh this one's pretty light a sort of family uh a little bit of a bluffing game but not really um so the the premise is you're a bunch of little uh meeples, little pawns. Yeah. On this airship and you're trying to fly up through these levels. I don't really know what the theme is. Um and one person is the pilot or the captain. And you all have cards and then there are dice. Um the cards and the dice have matching faces. There are also cards that have powers uh, on them, but most of them are just those faces. And the captain rolls a dice, and a couple of the die faces are blank, and then the others have these symbols. The symbols that show up on the dice are the symbols you have to match with your cards as the captain in order for the ship to move up a level. Okay. And then each of the levels have a little a disc that's their like landing space, and then they have cards next to them, little cards. And the cards have points on the other side, right? The higher the level, the the higher the point value, but the points are secret. It's a sort of range. So you're like, this is level four. The cards there are going to be about four points, but they also could be eight points or two points. And there are some cards in that deck that, like, can override and guarantee that the ship goes up another level. I think. I never drew any of those. Um, And so at each level, the captain does does this process. They roll the dice. They look at their cards and say, you know, I can, I can do this. I can match these symbols with my cards. And they could be lying, right? That's the bluff part of it. And then... Then everybody goes around and decides whether they're going to stay in the ship, whether they believe the captain and trust him or her, or if they're going to jump off. If they Mm. jump off, they go to that level, they take a card, and once it's gone around, if the captain can meet the, the requirements of the dice, the ship goes up a level. And when that when the ship goes up a level, the captain moves. Uh, You just you keep doing that until, uh, you know, the captain can't meet the requirements. Also, periodically, the number of dice increase, like for the first few levels, it's just two dice and then it becomes three. And so it gets harder. Um, And unless there are cards that let you uh, do uh, special things, um, there are very few ways for the, the current 
player, the captain, to make points. Um, and so they're always motivated to keep moving the ship forward, right? Okay. So that it can be somebody else's turn. But it also sort of affects your decisions, right? Because if I look and I go, you know, oh, it's it's Cardell's turn and we've gotten pretty far or it's or it's Pat's turn and I'm going to be captain next. And so I go, well, next turn I'm not getting any points. So I might as well jump here because it's kind of a slim chance he's going to get much further. And even if he does, the turn after that I'm not going to get a chance to jump off because I'm going to be captain. Okay. Um, and then you just play until somebody has, however, it's like 40 or 50 uh, points in their hidden card. So it's, it's pretty light. It's pretty simple. Um, but you know, enjoyable. Kind of a, Was it pretty fun overall? Yeah. Fun, quick game. It plays six, um, pretty, pretty light, but, but you know, fun overall. There wasn't anything, about it about the mechanics that i you know really went eh, i don't really like that i also didn't see a ton of the power cards so i don't know people played them um i wasn't paying too close of attention to that aspect of it well there, there were while these were the games that we played there, there were so many games that were there and a lot of other games that we obviously didn't play that others did um i i definitely call it a successful weekend i i, I love yeah. always love our, our board game wall which we call it a wall but it's this year's like four walls mm-hmm. uh, of different games that, that are out there. And, and it's, it's always a little sad thing when we pack it up and I see so many games that I, you know, I want to play and then I, I can't play. Um, it, it does, it, it does make this event fun. It, it's, it's almost like a, uh, granted our buddy Trotsky's closet feels like a curated closet. Like he, it's definitely mm-hmm. a curated closet, right? Like of all these, these things that, that he enjoys or plays or whatever, Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this is, this game thing is so many, like there's like four or five people that, that bring games, at least four or five people that bring a lot of games and those are so widely different. Right. Yeah. Um, so, well, we made people, people made lists. Like I, yeah. I know for me, you know, as we talk about, I travel all the time. Mm-hmm. I do have one, uh, big gray board game tables, game bag that's yeah. full of games that I keep in my in my Jeep, in my tow vehicle, um, in case I'm somewhere and want to play games, which is really just, you know, turns out when I'm with my family uh, right. or, or you know, up to the guys. Like, I went up for Tuesday games last week, and I came to ICGCon, and I brought my bag in both times. At ICGCon, I set the games back up, or I set, you know, stacked up all my games. Um, I don't think we played any of my games, but I also brought, you know, relative... To every you know almost everybody who brought games brought more than me in some cases like mike brought you know like three times as many games as i did sure and it's it's just a different thing right like um you know i'll bring stuff to trotsky's but that's just because i think i have a couple of more family kind of games that he doesn't have and i'm like well maybe we'll want to play these um right. at icg it's definitely like everybody brings games and so we've got just this mountain of games and it's yeah you can look at it and go oh man so many games didn't get played but it's really more about options right yeah you'd rather you'd rather have games that don't get played than just go you know show up and like one person brought lords of waters deep and somebody else brought tyrants of the underdark and that's what we've got for the whole weekend you're right you're right right. yeah that's that's well very well said 
Um, and it, so it is, it is nice seeing those in all those games. And, and you do hope that next year, right? Next year we'll, we'll be able to mm-hmm. play those or, or maybe we'll get together with people otherwise and, and play those games. I mean, I had, I had a bags of like these big, huge game bags of, of games that I wanted, that I wanted to definitely play and mm-hmm. didn't get to play. And, and it's, right. and it sucks and it's sad, but, but that's not, that that's sad in a good way, right? Sad because, yeah. because we, we, I obviously played games that I loved and got to play things and it is, you know, we're limited times. We're all going, as they say, balls to the wall. We're really, we're really playing <laughs> as many hours as we could possibly stay awake Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There, there's never a time when in this event where you're not going to get people uh, to play a game with you. Any right. game you pick up, someone's going to play with you. Yeah. Um, which has been re- which was really really great. And not to mention, there's there's also the stuff with ICG Con that we the intangibles we don't get to talk about. Like we spent time in the uh, in the living room watching show watching movies and TV shows. Then we mm-hmm. watched we stayed in the hot tub for some people and and chatted and hung out and you know uh, just chilling and talking on the couches such like that. Uh, dinner yeah. time with tacos mm-hmm. it, it's it's so much it's so it's so good and we talk about this every year and we've we've talked about it every every year we've been on this show but um just such an enjoyable time and this year was a different thing for those who were listening it was different this year we did a, a smaller group with airbnb because of the pandemic um and we don't know if we'll do it next year or the same but this was a different year um right than ever before. And it still was pretty fun. You know, it's kind of like that, that formula of good people who love to play games and are just good people works. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I I love, you know, you could always, I could always see somebody and and it's like, they're, they're hanging out on the couch by themselves. Right. And you always wonder like, Oh, are they having a good time? But you know, they are because in like 20 minutes later, you'll see them winning a game or playing with like four people and they're all yelling in the corner because they're all happy right yeah yeah uh, just different levels of social uh uh capacity yeah and, and we even have uh several people many people i even say over half the people uh that come to our our icg con every year that are not so i want to say not social people they're all very social people but they're they're like can only handle so much yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, or they're a, more introverted type people. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's an introvert extrovert. Like introvert doesn't mean, and I don't remember, I heard this in several places, but introvert doesn't mean that you don't like hanging out with people. Just that, uh, I think an extrovert is energized by social mm-hmm. interaction and an introvert right. is drained by social interaction. Yeah. So an, right. an extrovert can, can go all day. They can party and, you know, just, uh, you know, have that where an introvert can do it for a while and then needs a break. And and I'm right. definitely one of the latter in this right. group. And 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 some someone like uh, uh, Bill and I, Bill, our friend of the show, Bill, mm-hmm. who was there this weekend, yep, uh, can can will literally because of that energizing extrovertedness, will play until we pass out, mm-hmm. right? Be, until our heads are bouncing around so that we can't keep them up because we are so alive and awake and interested and excited because of because of that um but but most of our people aren't that way um and we still have a good good you know that chilling kind of stuff and taking times away and i don't know just a good success and i was really happy with it this weekend i I loved every person that got to come um and hopefully you know we'll we'll expand it even more and keep going or or not right Um, right but you know it's 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 a fun time I, i had a great time and uh 
It, yeah. it does fill that need for me between Gen Con to have people together playing different games you've never played. Right. Um, and, yeah. and we'll, you know, n- now the next move here is that um, Gen, I think Gen Con tickets are available already. I need to go buy one and then yeah, events going to happen. Event catalogs are going to happen. Uh, we're already talking about with our friend group finding housing or maybe housing was already found. Uh, so, you know, we, we start the Gen Con process now. Mm-hmm. Type very, stuff, so. very far in advance. Well, we're uh, running a little long because I have two. Well, we should talk about our movie. And then I also watched that uh, uh, Netflix series, Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. Oh, yeah. I talk we, about. Which I watched that one. So we can talk about. Okay. So but let's, which one do we do first? Let's do the movie first because I don't want to not. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to not get to that. All right. This week we watched the Edgar Wright uh, film with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost called The World's End. You were right. It was not At World's End. That's the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Right. Yeah. Um, this is the story of one kind of uh a type A steamrolly kind of friend played by Simon Pegg mm-hmm. who drags his former high school, college. I don't I think it's it high is. school. It's not, it could be high school, which seems, I mean, I know drinking age is younger in, in Europe, England. Uh, oh, right. Drag, they did go around. The yeah. Right, drags yeah. his now adult friends back to the town where they went to school so they can do this uh, pub crawl, bar crawl challenge again. And they're all like in their 30s mid 30s right yeah um and i don't want to get into any more details than that because it's a spoiler uh so i'm gonna hit the bell right now if, you, you if hit the you, bell early on this one i i did because it you know it's a bizarre so if you haven't seen this and you don't want to get spoiled on it skip ahead because we're gonna we're gonna get into details the the twist uh, is a big twist. Like the, the whole movie changes entirely. The 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 whole movie abruptly changes, and I swear I saw this somewhere, and now I can't find it on the IMDb page. Wait, which oh, is weird because yeah. you can't you can't recommend this with without giving away the twist with, without giving it away. So uh, the tags the the genre tags on IMDb for this movie say comedy sci fi. Which, and if, which the first like forty five minutes, maybe half hour, forty five minutes, you, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. Like you read the description and you're like, "Oh, weird! What's sci fi about this movie?" And it, yeah, it goes into this bizarre twist where a lot of the people in town have been taken over by aliens <laughs> and replaced with robots, and they fight them, but they, you know, can respawn. Um, it, it, you know, it gets some of that. Uh, some of that Shaun of the Dead um, um, aesthetic, definitely. But, uh, yeah, so, so 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 weird. Like uh, I I enjoyed both. I enjoyed both parts of this. I actually they were playing when they were doing the first half, and they were really running him down. Like he's wanting to reminisce about the, and relive the past, and and all the people that came here were. I mean, they're kind of jerks, honestly. I mean, I, I know that he is over the top and too and too much. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, but they were kind part of, of what, end. yeah, part of why, part of what balances out Simon Pegg's, uh, Gary King character being such a, like, uh, 
around, like Bull in a China Shop, is that his friends are not great either. Like, they all have yeah. some kind of weird, like, Martin Freeman spends m- most of the movie with his Bluetooth uh, uh, headset in. That's a little right. bit of old tech from this almost 10-year-old movie. Right. And the other ones are like, we're not this anymore. We're we, they they don't see the past as fondly through rose colored glasses as he does. Right, and they're all kind of jerk. And, and that that goes on for a long while. And and I got to say, had the twist of you know aliens coming down not happened, it it wouldn't have been great because they they're you know it just can't kind of be sad for him. And they're and they're winning this this movie war of you know if he's right or not. This whole thing, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um, and then and then it happens, and all of a sudden now their entire focus changes from being a bunch of sad sacks uh, to this guy's reunion party um, to being like staying alive and saving the human race, which also has a twist because then his doesn't become that right. Gary's yeah. does not become his becomes like still finishing the pub crawl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And then it's sort of. He's fighting. His friends are fighting him to try and try and stop him. To try and then you know, very when the movie's almost over, you find out what his real motivation was. And there's very little. I mean, there there are a couple of hints to that, like when he doesn't want to show his arm. But that's still like you're pretty deep in the movie by that point. Um, yeah, you're really find, deep. Yeah, they they should have let that in a, a little bit earlier. Find out his real uh, his real motive. For this whole, um, for this whole undertaking, it, it would have made him more endearing earlier yeah. on, which, which yeah. I think. Um, but 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 it's this is a movie that I have almost all exclusively watched uh, a bit inebriated, mm-hmm. like because sure. it's just it's just light fun you can't take seriously, like in any yeah. way, right? Yeah. Uh, it almost feels like a Doctor Who esque type thing where you're like you know sure. you know what you're getting here. Yeah, um, there's there's goofy goofy aliens, and you know he gives a he gives an impassioned speech, and they go away, and I mean except for the the sort of post apocalyptic epilogue, um, it is right. it is very uh, it is very Doctor Who in that way. Yeah, so so it 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 just kind of has that whole thing to it, um, but so so I, I it's easier to watch it you know when you've you've had a little bit a couple times and it is a kind of a drink that's the theme there of a drinking movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but uh um so th- this time i did not i just watched it straight i i still enjoyed it i still i still liked it for the funness that it was yeah right um i, I like the characters are kind of fun i like the little side storylines that happen that aren't important at all but are still fun mm-hmm. um you know the 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 guy who has a crush on the on the the, the girl and the sister uh, how that works it uh, yeah. Rosman Pike from now from Wheel of Time, uh, <laughs> right? Right. I I still to me she'll always be Jane from the Keira Knightley uh, Pride and Prejudice, but <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, this is somewhere in between Pride and Prejudice and uh, and Wheel of Time. Definitely not playing channeling Morgan here. More more more. What's her name? More uh, Moraine. Uh, Moraine. Definitely mm-hmm. not channeling Moraine there. No. Uh, but the uh, yeah she she. Um, I enjoyed Gary 
even when he's being over the top. Mm-hmm, like I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed, you know, how, how dumb he was, right. all the little jokes at his expense. Like when he walks in, he's like the king and then he's like, he's banned on the wall or something. I, I just liked those little things. Yeah. When they, uh, and then right when I get bored is when they do the, the twist and then it's the, a whole nother movie. Yeah. Like, they'll oh, do, I'm not bored anymore. They'll do some twist. I laughed out loud at the, uh, the second pub. It was the same set. Right. They're like, they go in. <laughs> right. They're like, oh, it's Starbucks. What do they say? It's Starbucks. Starbucking or something like that, like <laughs> they're making everything the same. Um, exactly, that, that was funny. And there was one pub they went in that looks a lot like the pub in Richmond in um, in Ted Lasso. And Ted I, Lasso, I, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. I looked it up, and there the the pub in Ted Lasso is a real place in Richmond, and oh, okay. all the stuff in. Uh, the world's end is is some town, some other town, and so I don't think mm. it's that. I think it's just a you know a, a similar kind of layout uh, with the with the double door, you know, the airlock Man, door. It, it makes me a want to go on to that place and do a real world's end, right, uh, right, overall. and and yeah. b it makes me want to go to the Ted Lasso pub now, <laughs> right, right, yeah. Goodness, I, I think some people have tried that, and they're not all. Obviously, they're not all real places, right? So, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right for the for the especially now over almost ten years later, but yeah. uh, Uh, But yeah, there's not a whole lot. I guess this is a weird one to say. There's not a whole lot to say about, but it's it's there's not a lot depth wise to the movie, except for like Gary's uh, journey at the end, which you which you rightly pointed out. It doesn't really come into the end, right? uh, Anyway, yeah. So. Um, this is a movie that I had seen before, um, and I, you know, I've said several times that I often, if a movie's not holding my attention, I'll tab over on my computer or, like, open a coloring app or something, um, and I didn't do that with this. It's It was just, like, nonstop with almost no pauses or breaks. It's I, I said to our buddy Fox, it's the, um, what do they call it? Uh, it's ga or ka. The, the, there's a Japanese word for this like pause or break after something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we talked about this when we watched spirited away. Um, oh, okay. But there's a sequence in the middle, middle to last third of spirited away where um, Chihiro goes on the train with, with no name and they go and meet the yeah, good I know witch. what you're talking about. Yeah. It's a pause. It feels like a it's pause this like, show, yeah. it's this like, like deep sigh of like, oh, okay. Whew. All right, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna relax for a minute, and then you know, think this movie had none of that. It was just nonstop. I'll um I'll link in the show notes to a video. I think it's it's either Every Frame of Painting or Nerd Writer, uh, two um video essay YouTube channels where they talk about Edgar Wright and the way that he uses visual comedy, um, in really effective ways. Where a lot of comedy in film and television is really just written comedy. That could be, you know, it could be a radio play. Um, and he does that so well. Where you're like, well, you could do it this way, but instead he's going to do this fast montage of the of the tap handles and the beer filling. And then this one's water and it's filling up slow. That's funny. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just a transition, but it's funny. And it's something that you can only do in TV and film. You can't do that in a play. You can't do it in a book. Right. I mean, you could do yeah, something right, like yeah. it in a book because you just describe everything with words. Um, 
And so all of that was great. Like I said, when they sh- they walk into the second pub, I laughed out loud before they said anything. I'm like, ah, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same place. Um, <laughs> right. That's funny. And, um, but then he, and so Edgar Wright is a master of that, but then he goes into this twist and then it's just, then it's just action, action, action. And then it's emotional conflict and then it's more action and then it's drama and then it's, more conflict and then they're fighting and then they're arguing and then they're you know physically fighting i mean um it's just non-stop for the whole you know almost two hour hour 50 minute uh runtime to by the time i got to the epilogue where he's you know s- sort of leading this band of of blanks you know into this into the this blanks, right? biker bar kind of thing <laughs> i was just exhausted yeah yeah you're ready for it to be done, and, and they yeah. they hit those last couple bars intentionally with that because of that. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. it was. I mean, I enjoyed all of it, but when it was done, I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm I'm ready, I'm ready." I, that was that was enough. Like I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree, I agree. Um, and and, and it it is because of those twists and those changes and mm-hmm. stuff. So, uh, yeah. So I don't know if we're ready to go into mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the 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 end, but. Uh, I recommend this one. I think it's a fun one uh, all, all around. Uh, obviously, if you watch like Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz, things like that, this this definitely fits in that kind of a, a genre-ish type thing uh, in that kind of comedy still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those characters, actors, I mean. Uh, so you'll like it then. But, you know, I don't know. Um, watching it with your friends. That, that's the thing. I, I don't think this is one that it's is as great watching it just by yourself on a sure, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but I, I think watching it with friends is definitely a good a good one to watch this way. Yeah, so. you get some sort of reaction and and crowd energy out of that. Would you recommend it above Shaun of the Dead? Uh, I'm mixed on Shaun of the Dead. Um, okay. Oh man, I I say Shaun of the Dead is more consistent. Yeah, it doesn't have necessarily a twist, but yeah. it, it you you know pretty much everything that Shaun of the Dead is going to happen at the outset of Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, the the um, foreshadowing and the sort. I mean, it's called Shaun of the Dead, so like you have a pretty yeah. good sense that you're about to watch a zombie movie, and so the foreshadowing is just like tongue in cheek. You're like, oh look, he's he's stumbling out to get his paper or whatever, and he's like a zombie. That's a you know. right. Yeah. And so it's so, it's so more sh- of that. It's more of that visual comedy. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. Shaun of the Dead is you know what you're getting, and um, it, it 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 delivers throughout the whole show. Um, so that's solid because of that. Right. This one is, I don't think you know what this show is about, uh, at any turn. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it's enjoyable because of those things. So yeah. Shaun of the Dead is a consistent, fun, enjoyable time that you know what you're going to get. This one is a surprise, fun of the time, but but is more of a roller coaster. And yeah. I like how you said in the spoiler section, you're exhausted by the end because of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't I don't really remember Hot Fuzz. That's another one that I've seen. I don't think I've seen Edgar Wright Simon Pegg's full catalog. I've definitely mm-hmm. seen these three. But I think Hot Fuzz I only saw once when it was pretty new. And I feel like it had a similar sort of uh, progression and flow to um, The World's End. So I think, I think yeah, it's um, – you're probably best – uh again starting starting with Shaun of the Dead and if you like that then explore yeah. um 
more of his catalog because you get some more of the same, but also some some different things, some more sort of, uh, um, I don't know if it's perfecting the style or just getting further into the same style. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's I, I, I think I think you're right. And that's very well said. Start with Shaun of the Dead. And I would agree with that and recommend that as well. Start with Shaun of the Dead. Um, and for the reasons I said, but even more so that you don't have to think very much. You yeah. don't. You can miss and not really know what's happening in Shaun of the Dead. Come back in 15 minutes later and it's totally fine. doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. Yeah. Right? The other ones maybe need a little bit more paid attention to a little bit. Um, but yeah, Shaun, Shaun of the Dead, you're right. Shaun of the Dead is the starting, starting it's point the, it's there. A good and, then, and then move on to this, this completely acceptable film. Um, <laughs> and, and, but now that you say that, yes, I would recommend Shaun of the Dead first. Uh, but if you've seen Shaun of the Dead, then definitely this one is a good one. Yeah. Cool. All, All right. right. The the last thing I want to talk about is the Netflix series Woman in the House, as I call it, or Woman mm-hmm. in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window, which is a ridiculously long title. Um, Based on a book, I think. Yeah, maybe. I think it is. I th- yeah. There's so it's kind of hard to preserve this because I watched this. Uh, I started watching this based on our discussion last week, two weeks ago. Um, you described it as gaslighting. I don't know if that was on or off the air. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I think it's called gaslighting the movie is what I would call it. Right? Yeah, it's it's a mini series or TV show, but um, TV series. But uh, yeah, I mean, I like Kristen Bell, and I think mm-hmm. a couple of our friends, like Pete, were also watching it, and I was like, I'm going to give this a try, just just see. Like, I knew you would watch the whole thing, and if nothing else, it would give us something to talk about. So, um. I want to, again, do Spoiler Bell really early because, as I said, I went into this knowing almost nothing about it. And so it's sort of, I don't know if my experience watching it was unique, but I think it's important that you not know, like, the mystery of it, I think, is important to, to how you watch it. Um, and sure. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit that here. So, again, we're talking about the Netflix series. Uh, woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window and we're going to spoil everything about the whole plot so if you haven't seen it and don't want to be spoiled on it you could listen for a little while but the longer it goes the more of the plot we're going to spoil um i don't even know how to think of this movie i mean i'm 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 eager to hear your take on it so maybe it's more coherent than i could even say but i will start this conversation by saying i i'm now a couple weeks removed from it and i don't even know what to think of it. Mm. So mm. go for it. Well, bingo. <laughs> so I, I watched the first episode and not knowing what it was about. And I was like, I mean, well, knowing that it's about her and she has some kind of problem and, and drinks a lot, which yeah, is the most, trailer says that. yeah, most of what you get. I didn't watch the trailer cause I asked our buddy Fox and he said he watched the trailer and was like, yeah, I don't need to watch that. <laughs> and I watched the first episode. It was like, okay, this, this, it's kind of dark. I knew it wasn't going to get too like crazy dark or you would have mentioned it when we talked about it. Sure I was like, it. it's just going to be a little weird and maybe you don't know what's real, right? That's what gaslighting yeah. is. Yeah. And th- it's more com- complex than that. But um, I watched the first episode and I'm like, okay, this is a weird sort of psychological, like you don't know what's real. And then... We had we were having some conversation in Discord, and I went looking for a GIF of her 
pouring wine or drinking wine or something for whatever Mm -hmm. the conversation was. And as I typed the title into the Google search, it popped down in autocomplete uh, the full title, Netflix, with the genre tags, uh, comedy, crime, drama, or maybe crime, drama, comedy. On, on IMDb, it says comedy, crime, drama. Those might be alphabetical, so okay. I, don't, I don't know. But I was like, huh, nothing I saw in the first episode was funny. What what is is comedy and and some you know i didn't really dig too far because i didn't want to be spoiled but i was like maybe it's dark comedy and one of when i was looking for images saw a head to when she goes into the attic and is looking at her painting stuff yeah she has a stack of three books that are completely white with black lettering that say like you can be a painter you also can be a painter. You can be a painter too. And and <laughs> yeah. she like she looks at them like fondly with with memories and like runs one finger along the spine. And when that when I saw that scene came up, it was just one of many moments in the show where I I either found it funny or laughed out loud because it was something so absurd that it had to be it had to be a joke right it's like the <laughs> right, right. it's it's like sure, the sure it's we like, can go with that yeah it's like the crime thriller version of um the christmas prince movies like this is so and, and even more so cuz like a lot of stuff in those in those netflix christmas movies is just kind of dumb is just kind of goofy so much of the stuff in this in this series was so dumb that I was like, this is, this is not like, um, what even is it? Like, like they flirt over a casserole, like, um, she brings the dish back, right? The casserole dish, which is a recurring, uh, you know, thing. Like, does she just have an infinite supply of these casserole dishes? Cause she breaks so many of them and she yeah. always has an identical one just like it, but he, he brings it back and he's like, you know. I cleaned out your casserole dish and it's very clearly like sexual tension, but the, the line is so dumb that I'm like, that's, that's, that has to be funny. Like that has to be intentional. Uh, Well, that's, that's kind of the the thing. All these things you're saying is like, I agree with, but then the the counter to that is that a lot of times they're being really serious. Right. right. And like really honest, Mm -hmm. you know, or they're, or they're struggling with, substance abuse or they're dealing with depression or a dead little girl mm-hmm. you know you're like oh this is so serious and stark and then they mix it with what like you're saying seems like intentionally terrible comedy so i didn't know what to believe the whole time like right what is what is this which which leads me to the gaslighting thing like sure i i, I felt like they're trying to tell me something or not tell me something or make me believe one thing but it's actually something else Right. Uh, yeah. Like, and I still, after I got done watching it, I didn't know. Like, they, there's things like she goes to her daughter's uh, headstone, and it's different every time she goes there. Yeah, I caught that too. Like, like, like the, the second time she went, I'm like, that's not the same because I looked at what it said the first time, and it says something different now. 
Yeah. And it says it three yeah. different times. Mm-hmm. And, and like, they never explain that. And no. they don't, no. they don't know why it's just like, is this supposed to be, well, I didn't know what, as a, as a viewer, I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe that's the problem. Mm. I did. And, and I like, I like, I like that you were able to go into it with it. Like a, this is how I'm going to view it. That, that probably would help like going up front and knowing what to take of this show. Right. I, I, like if it's comedy or it's a yeah drama yeah or I if think it's a lost type thing right? it reminded me so the title reminded me of some of those when like uh, I don't know if this was the same company but there was a whole string of of parody films back in the late nineties early two thousand early to mid two thousands right like the scary movie movies yeah. or there was a another horror parody that was like. I know what you did last Friday the thirteenth, <laughs> right. or something, which is a combination, of course, of Friday the thirteenth and I know what you did last summer. Um, and you get that like, like the title is so long that it has to be, it has to be parody or satire of some kind. And I think that's what's happening here. Like, there's a, um, there's a woman in the window movie. That's a, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's the modern gender swapped remake of a rear window that we watched a couple weeks ago with uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the remake has or the whatever has uh, Amy Adams as the character um, there's I think you know various haunted house titles I think some of the books that that Kristen Bell is reading not the jokey because they they bring back the U2 thing right like there's a montage where she's fixing the chair that she spilled wine on and she's got at least one book that's like you too can reupholster furniture, right? And then in the yeah. in the epilogue, the handyman Buell has a stack of books that are like, you too can be a taxidermist, and you also can learn taxidermy. And I'm like, they did it again. Like it's third. They showed the art books more than once, but I'm like, this is th- they're three times. It's rule of thirds. Um, that it just. It gets more and more absurd, like in the cold open for whatever episode that is where she's at the library looking at the paper, and she just keeps saying bingo. Like, she says bingo twice, and she had done it in the episode before, but I'm like, oh, she's bingo again. And then she's looking at the paper and thing and the guy, and there's a long pause, and she just goes, bingo. <laughs> like, this is hilarious. Like, it clearly, and I get what you're saying, like, there's a lot of it that is really heavy, but I don't think... I don't think any of it is supposed to be serious. I think it is just, um, it is just poking fun at this genre and gradually, um, I, I posted an article or I posted an image from an article that, cause I was looking for that, that last shot when she's on the plane and she says bingo, uh, cause right. they have that Glenn Close cameo. Cause she did, Glenn Close has done a bunch of movies in that genre. These like, femme mm-hmm. fatale psychological thrillers um and i i only really skimmed the article but somebody one of the writers or showrunners said they knew from the beginning that um emma the little girl was going to be the killer right they're like right. it's the it's the most ridiculous option in a story in a series that is absurd and gets more absurd with every episode and I'm like, yeah, I, that's a that's a good way to describe it because it it does. I mean, in, even 
and even it starts, like I said, with the title is so long and the music, the theme music they play over the title is the, the childhood, you know, rain, rain, go away song. And she's afraid of the rain. And they're like, that's right. a thing. Somebody would make a whole movie about a woman who's afraid of the rain and has to, but they right. like do it a couple times where like she gets out and she's paralyzed and she's like crawling across the street and passes out. Cause she's so, uh, you know, terrified of the rain. Um, and they just mash all of these things together in this, um, in this one series. I mean, down to the, the crazy drug dealer breaking into her house and then them, you know, having this elaborate montage lovemaking scene with like slow motion montage and the music. And I'm like, <laughs> of course, you know, when they're flirting, I'm like, of course there's sexual tension between these two characters. Cause that's what kind right. of show this is. And then right. they, you know, whichever one of them makes a move. And I'm like, of course this happens. Like it's, you know, only probably, you know, one, like, like budget, call away from from using the jeff buckley hallelujah song like the watchman movie um, right. it's just so over the top and ridiculous um, i think i think the yeah. uh the wikipedia uh calls it um that it is a parody of mystery psychological thrillers and yeah. you had said those words almost for sure and i think granted and you even said this the title itself should give that away. I think yeah. the writers and the producers and the directors, only people could say, "Don't you know that? Look at the look at the the title." Yeah, that was right? a that was a thing our buddy Pete said. He's like, it it should have been obvious because he had he had sort of the same thing where he's watching it going like, oh, this this is it's so close. It's again that's why I like to compare it to the Netflix Christmas movies, like. It's executed so well, which is maybe it depends on interpretation, <laughs> but right. it's it's walking the line so carefully to where you think, like you said, you you know, you feel like a gaslighter. You're like, is this a joke or is this real? Because a lot of it seems real, but the stuff that's not real, you're like, really, he's it's a really not real. <laughs> her her husband is a psychiatrist for serial killers. That's a job like that's a specific yeah. thing. Who, also who takes their daughter, takes to their work daughter day. to work day. And then and then in the next episode, they're like, yeah, that's so awful. Like when your daughter was left alone with that serial killer who murdered and ate her. And I'm like, that's a joke. That has to be a joke. Like they wouldn't do something like that real, you know, in a in a show and have it not be have it not be played as a joke. Well, I, I think I think some of the, the the things that came that caused it to be a problem and confusing and such is that uh, they they lean so heavily on her being unreliable, yeah, uh, an unreliable narr narrator. Like yeah. right in the first episode, they spend half of the first episode telling you how she's a drunk drug abuser, right? Right. Of these these things. So she's mixing. I think up, that she's puts the people in the pills. mindset that yeah, right. She kinda, sees her daughter. Under, her's not her daughter's not there. I know Pete said um, one of the big moments for him, because that's what I said. I don't know if I finished that thought, but he was like, he was like, this is so close to being real, not real, but like serious, a, like a legitimate entry in the like, series. Like but, yeah. she, she can't tell what's real. And so the stuff that seems absurd is just her perception. Like she's seeing these books and they maybe just look this way. She sees her daughter. She thinks her daughter's real. The, um, 
he said one of the moments for him was when the the neighbor, the Karen neighbor, uh, Carol. Yeah, Carol, right. Talks to the handyman, right? Because the handyman's there. How is he there fixing? The whole time. (laughs) Working on the mailbox all day, every day. It's, it's, It's ridiculous. And so, of course, you think he's not real. Right. Like she thinks he's there. It's a it's a Truman show, not Truman show, whatever. He's a hallucination. And it's a it's a sixth sense thing where you're like, wait, did we see anybody else talk to the handyman with him? And then the neighbor interacts with him and he talks back and Pete was like, what? He's not real. He can't. Okay, I guess he's real, (laughs) you know, kind of. Uh, kind of thing, yeah. I, I, I do, I do think that, that, and that problem that led to the problem that Shelley and I both had was that, and and a lot of people who've watched this is yeah. that, um, because it's like that, you keep thinking that okay, this is going to be explained later. Like we're right. we're gonna we're gonna watch this through, and these inconsistencies, like w- when they talk about the take the daughter to work today, and she gets the daughter gets eaten by a serial killer that he left in a room accidentally. You're like, that is so unbelievably absurd. And everything else has been kind of on the line when she's dealing with this very sad moment that you're like, okay, there's something that's going to be explained here later, right? It's all going to come together in some genius plan that these absurd things are because of her psychosis or because of something or it all comes together in this world, but it doesn't. Mm-mm. And, and, and that's, that's the real trick there is, is that, uh, they, they don't, they aren't clear. They just lean, they don't lean enough. They do lean into it. Like they, when they lean into it, they lean into it hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but then, but then they, they back off and go into this like normal show, uh, or movie. So when it was over, Shelly and I were profoundly disappointed mm. because nothing made sense. And you look back <laughs> and you're like, they didn't answer any of the questions They're They look like they were leading it on to season two to just gaslight you more, which now had we started at the very beginning and say, this is one big joke. Every scene is a joke. Mm-hmm. Every scene is just making fun of this series. Yeah. That changes completely how you see this. Movie. Yeah. And, and, and I, by listening to you talk about it and the way you kind of went into it, it was like, Oh, it just kind of like that, that light dawns on my head of, of like, this is not a good movie. It's not like a good, I mean, it's not, I don't say it's a good movie. I mean, yeah, yeah. like scary movie mm-hmm. isn't a good movie, but right. it's a good movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or like, yeah. Or like airplane or space balls. Um, exactly. Yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're not good movies if you look at them as movies, but right. if you look at them as satire and parody, you're like, oh yeah, now I can enjoy all. I mean, and you're and you're right. In the defense of the writers and the, the entire team that made this show, they do give plenty of things to let you know that it's a parody by that she's pouring entire bottles into one glass every day, and you know, drinking for a case of them every night, and um, it's just over the top with so much stuff mm-hmm. that. You should know, right? I guess it, right. But I did. So anyway, that's uh, pulling out of here. That's the confusing part about this is that it it is definitely one type of movie. This is we're out of spoilers. Here. Yeah, yeah. This show is one type of show that it doesn't let you know what kind of show it is. Like when you go watch scary movie, you know it's a parody of scary movie shows, and they're mm-hmm. and they're riffing movies, on all yeah. these things. Scary movies. This right. one is not built like that in any way. It's not built that way. It's it's built as this mystery 
thriller thing that you, you, you you've got to solve and you're going to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the way the trailers kind of are. And it's very mysterious. And then when you, you watch it, they kind of breadcrumb you that while also letting you know, this is a big parody. Right. Had they started off with letting you know that this is a, a, is a comedy that's a parody of these things. The entire movie, I think, would get way more higher marks than it's getting now with mm. these mixed reviews. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I, think, I think people are confused. And after, I mean, you know, I just don't know. This is not really my my genre. I think, in retrospect, the title should kind of give it away. Like, this is a ridiculous title. Um, should have. It should have, right? And, yeah. and, again, I said this in the spoiler, so this is a little bit of a spoiler, but not really. On IMDb, it has the comedy tag. So yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to say it's more right than there. that. It's right there. But but you should. You know, it's that's that's sort of the way it's written and it's intentional. But uh, but but yeah. you know, a lot of things have like comedy tags on them because they say a couple jokes and like right. half the Marvel movies say comedy on. Them. Yeah, yeah, which are not not really not really funny. I mean, right. yeah, comedy so used to this mean one is, not tragedy. So if if you want to watch this movie, um, if if you like parodies. And you like the, the 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 thriller, psychological thriller genre. Mm-hmm. This one is definitely for you. But don't think that this is a psychological thriller show. It's a parody. Right. It's a comedy. Have fun with that part of it. And I guarantee you, you will enjoy the movie ten times more than it than if you try <laughs> to make try to make sense out of it. Sure, sure. All cool. right. I, we, we didn't. Hey, something we didn't say last time is what's our next movie? What's our next movie? It's it's your pick. Um. I've been wanting to, because the Oscars are coming up, and I'm planning to, to oh. travel out to our buddy Fox's for he's doing a party. Um, next, there, next month, right? There are a couple of, uh, yeah, it's the end of this month, actually, like two weeks, two and a half weeks. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, there are a couple of family movies on the in the nominations. I thought one of those might be good, like um, Encanto. I know you've seen many times probably not saying that oh my god i've seen that so many times or uh (laughs) mitchell's versus the machines or love that show i haven't seen either of those i don't know if um well we can watch we can watch mitchell's let's let's watch mitchell's versus machines because i don't know if shelly or lola have watched that and i can watch it with those and sydney would definitely watch it with me i've only seen it once i don't remember a whole lot about it Okay. But I do remember that I absolutely loved it and was absolutely surprised. I know that's not mm. something I should be telling you as you're going into <laughs> it, but 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 I will say for me, I was uh, very surprised. And this is coming from somebody who can't remember the whole plot of the show. Okay, uh, okay. That I I remember it was fun. I, it was super fun, uh, and I remember it being like well written, well acted, well drawn, well animated. And and being surprised by all that, thinking it was going to be not that. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, so yeah, Mitchell's versus Machines. I'm, I'm glad I'm going to write that down, <laughs> uh, and I'm going to take credit for it this week. That we. <laughs> yeah, I know. I sort of I sort of uh, 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 seeded the drawing there, but I'm like, oh, I only have so much time, and I could watch these. But I asked our buddy Fox, and he gave me several of these family movies, and I'm like. Okay, that's fine. Like I don't dislike those, but I'm like it's weird for me to sit by myself in a camper and watch a Pixar movie or whatever. Sure, <laughs> but, sure. I, I, I th- this this is one that that I think you again, I can't remember, so I'm going off what I just feel from the one time I watched it years mm-hmm. ago. Or was it just a year ago? Is that all it was? It's like one it, year ago? It's last so, year. It's a 21. Wow, it feels older than that. Mm. This year's been long. Okay. 
yeah. is is uh that you can I think you can totally watch it you know on on your own. Encanto is one that uh, you would want to watch uh, if you like musicals. Right, right. I, I think some of the best parts of that is the musicals. And I can um, I can finally learn why they don't talk about Bruno or something. Why they don't talk about Bruno? I yeah. keep hearing it. The, it is an excellent show, and, the and I hope on TikTok. I, and the, one of these two should win. Hopefully, um, if Mitchell versus the Machines wins, uh, I think that it would be a legitimate reason to win. If Encanto wins, uh, it's because it's amazing. So sure, yeah, um, cool, awesome. We did it. All right. You've been listening to Front Porch. This is episode 237. Uh, thanks always to our friends at LRM Online. Uh, if you want to reach out to us with suggestions for things we should watch and discuss, you can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you head over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we've got contact forms there, uh, show notes for episodes. I'll link all the games we talked about in the in the front half of the show. Yeah. Uh, so you right. can check those out. Um, did I say that? Frontporchpodcast.com. If you enjoy The Front Porch, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a positive review, that always helps us out. We appreciate it so much. As always, thanks for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For The Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. Bye.